Good day, and welcome to the Pandemi Show. Stories of the Pandemi for people living in the Pandemi. No one is alone on the Pandemi Show. Today's Pandemi story comes from Dave's favorite slide guitarist, Dan, in Cambridge, Ontario. They talk about the impact of the Pandemi on society's soul. That's the music and hospitality industry. Dan doesn't play for us, but Dave, along with his physical distanced friends, take us out with their Pandemi folk rock version of Old Groundhog. Hi, and thanks for joining us on the Pandemi Show. Today, I'm talking with Dan Walsh, one of my favorite slide guitarists in the whole world. Dan, thank you so much for joining us here on the Pandemi Show. How are you today? All right, Dave, and thanks for having me here in, these, in the most weirdest, uh, weirdest year in our entire generation. Yeah, it's been six months, and I am really missing the live music. I've, I've seen you at McGonagall's Pub in Brantford. I've seen you all over Southern Ontario. So it's a real treat to be talking to you. Now, in the Pandemic Show, we're really interested in how the pandemic and COVID-19 have affected people in the arts community. And as a rock and roller in the front lines, no one would know better than you. So what's been going on since March with you as a uh, prominent musician? Well, so, so the very last show I did was March 13th in Sarnia, Ontario. And, and we had known just prior to that that there was something going on. About four days prior to that, the NBA canceled the season. So I sent something was coming. So, so I did that show March 13th, and I drove home. I actually stayed. I actually stayed in, in Sarnia that night, and I, I drove home, uh, my lonely old Corolla. And Monday morning, the, the rules came down. And... And so when that happened, not all the shows were immediately canceled. It took about four days. But by the time we realized how bad things were, everything basically got pulled up to July. And, and so, you know, so it sort of sucked. You know, in my business, these, these shows and tours and whatnot just don't happen. It takes months. For instance, you know, I was booking that the shows that I had for this July were already booked last November, right? So that'll give you an idea how long this takes. Just to preamble that, I had planned to be on the road all summer long with a new record. I had ordered all the tour merch. I had ordered, I was going across Canada, a couple of U.S. dates with more to come, and it immediately just got canceled, obviously, like it did with everybody else. So so really, I, I sat around for a week going, hmm, what am I going to do? I, I'm a self-employed businessman, really. I mean, I mean, even though I, my, you know, I get to do what I love, I'm still a small business, right? What it comes down to, I, I pay my taxes. I run my, my business. I have spreadsheets. You know, I have people, I have, for instance, my partner does all my t-shirts, which you've seen, you know, and that's, that's, I have to pay her for that. I have to, you know, that's all business stuff, right? So, so I spent the first week walking around the house sort of in bewilderment. I'm used to really, you know, getting in the car and driving every day, every day I'm going somewhere. And so that first week or two, just kind of sat around aimlessly, like wondering what to do. The streets got quiet. You know, it was really, really like, it was really like a, almost like an apocalyptic kind of event for that first couple of weeks. But so, 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 once we once that got sorted out, and of course, in being in Canada, and this is for all your U.S. listeners, we're very very fortunate in Canada that we have we had the social assistance, the CERB. I imagine people have heard heard that around the world. And once once that that, that the, our government 
and I put that into place, then I relaxed a bit. You know, like, I, like really, I was a fortunate musician. I've done this a long time. You know, I've, I have somewhat of a savings account. And you know what I mean? Like, I'm not the musician who is wondering what they're going to do on Monday after you're Friday not, night show. You're not just out there cutting your teeth. You've, you've been in the trenches for decades. Since, since about 1982. Wow. <laughs> Don't wow. For anybody like, that's got a calendar. I was four or five years old. <laughs> My foot was already on the monitor at that point. So, wow. so once that got settled in and then really, really, I started doing, I, I decided, okay, well, let's do uh, a live stream show from the beard bunker. And I was doing these stupid shows like how to cook bread or how to do home dentistry and playing a few songs here and there. And then, and then that really, really got saturated. Like I, I noticed everybody in the world was now a professional musician and they were live streaming every night. And I'm just going, ah, you know, it took me some time to figure out the sound quality. Like it's, you know, I think one of the mistakes a lot of people made were just singing into their phones. It's not the most pleasant experience, you know? So I sorted that out, started doing that. But really in the meantime, I really buckled down and started relearning the guitar. I started writing songs. I, I was fortunate, fortunate the previous year in September, I did uh, some shows with a fellow Canadian musician. His name was Don Ross, probably one of Canada's finest fingerstyle players. And another fella named Sean Pynchon. And Sean is a Toronto slide guitar player, Juno nominated, beautiful guitar player. And those guys inspired me to really buckle down and try to be a better player, all right? So I did that. You know, I sat around working on my guitar skills. I wrote some instrumental music. And the idea is going to be is that we're going to release that at some point. It doesn't make a lot of sense right now to drop $20,000 into a record and nowhere to take it, right? So that's the positive side. You know, I, I buckled down, started relearning the guitar, and that opened up some doors for me, helped me write some new music, helped me write a new song, actually a few new songs, and become a better player. You know, it's just one thing with, with not the constant traveling, I was able to sit here and actually use discipline to learn what I was going to do and try to be better, better at it. So right? you honed your, you honed your skills. You kind of went internal with your creative energies, honed your skills, produced some yes. new art. So that was a positive side of the pandemic. Yeah. Now when you say, when you say hone new, new skills, yes. And I hold my, for the, I know this is a recorded podcast, but I'm holding up my Nixon fingers right now. So yes, be. I honed my new skills. Right. So, <laughs> and of course you're never, I mean, I'm always, I'm always never where I want to be. Do you know what I mean? The minute that you're happy with the way you play the guitar, at least in my case is probably the day that you should put it down. Uh, you can always be better. Right. Always I, be better. I don't, play the guitar yet but i am studying under krista mercy who's in stratford and she's helping me learn the ukulele right. so i can identify as a ukulele beginner about how i'm just constantly trying to get better right see now for me i'm very fortunate i've played with some of my my idols people that i grew up listening to in in my career that i actually got to play shows with them and even still i need to be better and while we're talking about you playing with your idols, who are also my idols, what was it like playing with Willie Nelson? Well, you know, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's rock and roll history, right? Yeah. That, that's rock and roll history. I mean, I mean, when you, when you consider, let's put it this way, since we're on a podcast here, 
Think about an entire generation of children that were conceived while their parents were listening to Willie Nelson songs, right? When you put it that way, so when you, when you think of the, what, what that guy's done and, and how long he's got. Now, these shows were way, these were almost 20 years ago, these shows. But what was it like? It was something that I got to, I got to experience. It's a one-of-a-lifetime kind of thing. You know what I mean? Very, very lucky. So, so it was like amazing. Do I remember exactly what I did? No, because when you're standing with a guy like that and having a discussion with people in his band, you know, you're in awe. I mean, I, at that point, I'm like an eight-year-old kid again, <laughs> right? I am in awe talking to you. And if Willie Nelson was beside you, I would, I don't even know if I could handle it. Well, it's, it's a thing, right? And, 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 you know, and of course, you remember this too, and you've been on the road a long time. There's a certain thing with musicians, you know, that, that sure, we're in awe, but there's also healthy respect. If you get to that level, you got there for a reason. So the, the, what you try to do is not be weird <laughs> around your peers at that level. <laughs> That's the biggest struggle. It's probably easier for you not to be weird around Willie Nelson. I would probably be stuttering. I would probably start sweating. I would probably need to wash my foot down with a glass of water. Listen, man, I struggled. <laughs> Trust me, I pulled it off, but I struggled not to say something stupid. <laughs> did, did all your memories, all your positive memories help you get through the pandemic, all your experiences on the road with, with the artists over the decades? Was that something that you could draw on for strength in some of the dark times of the pandemic? Well, yeah, yes and no, right? Like, yes. But then you're going, oh, are we going to get back? Like, was, is that it? Is that the end of it? Is that where it ends? You know what I mean? So I don't know. Of course, it's always great to think back about, like, I've been very fortunate. The people that I've met, played with, uh, the stages that I've shared, the, you know, sure, those are positive memories. And the other side of it is, oh, I hope it's not over. Yeah. Right? Like, I still, you know, I'm, I'm 55 years old. I'll put it out there. I'm 55. I still got some rock and roll years left in me. Right? And you I'm are hoping... You are right. a very young, you are a very young 55. Well, because, you know, but these are road years too. Don't forget. I mean, a road year is kind of like a dog year, right? So sure, <laughs> I can pull it off visually, but trust me, when I get up out of this chair when I'm done, there's going to be some creaking noises. <laughs> so and I was thinking that same thing today. We're six months into the pandemic. It's right. September. When are things going to lift? When are things going to change? Because it looks like we're going back with the wave two in Ontario. It looks like we're going back into more restrictions in terms of assembling. And had you just opened up and started playing again over the summer? And now are there still shows booked or are opportunities to perform starting to dry up again like six months ago? Okay, so so where we're at today and uh, where we're at today, and I'll tell you this before, there's something else I got to tell you after that, but I'll tell you this now. So where Thank we're at you. today I have a few shows here and there, right? I've also had three cancellations this week, okay? So, and they're not really cancellations or postpones because again, we don't know. I mean, in Canada, you know, our premier or our prime minister could come on tomorrow morning. So we're back into phase one or total lockdown, right? So to answer that, there has been a little bit of work Coming in, I've got a gig in hand over Ontario this Saturday night, and they're all systems go outside under a tent. The following week, I have a couple of uh, a couple of indoor shows, socially distant shows because we're still at 
you know, the half capacity with the, the rules that were put forth in August, if they get canceled next week, I'm not going to be surprised. My fingers are crossed. If they are, I'm not going to be surprised. And I'll, I'll tell you why. And this is where, this is where maybe on the podcast, I preach just a little bit, if that's okay. All right. So I played two festivals, two outdoor festivals on the Labor Day weekend in September. One of them, both, both basic, basically Southern Ontario on the north side of Southern Ontario. And what I witnessed there was very disappointing. I, I was protected and I kept myself protected. But to see the audiences and watch how I saw them, excuse me, how I saw them, you wouldn't have thought there was a virus in this province at all. Right? So having said that, this is why I am not surprised that we're heading right back down the road, even though we have a chance to fix this, we're headed down that path slowly, but surely. And I've heard that called COVID fatigue. People are, are stopping wearing their masks as much. They're not physical distancing as much. People have gotten some COVID fatigue or they're feeling comfortable getting close because it's the summer and we're outside. I mean, summer just ended, but so, right. so you, you experienced that COVID fatigue, seeing that on the road, you're not surprised that numbers are going up again. Right. And I know Britain, under the leadership of Boris Johnson, seemed not to be taking COVID too seriously, but they're going through a major second wave now. And right. they're putting greater restrictions on. It seems like they're following Ontario. They're now just beginning to require people to wear masks in public places indoors. Right. And I've also been told... I read in the paper, rather, that they're shutting down pubs at 10 p.m. And pub culture is almost a religion or ideology in the United Kingdom. In that country, yeah. So to hear that they're, they're going back and, and shutting down the pubs at 10, it, you can tell that they haven't got a handle on it. Right. Well, I'm going to take this a step further, Dave, and I'm going to say to you that you're actually generous with saying, with using the term COVID fatigue. I'm seeing a blatant, there's, it seems to be now we're headed, we're headed in this province, and I'll speak just for Southern Ontario. We're headed down this path where, where there's two camps. It's the like, it's the, the, <laughs> the pandemic doesn't exist. Everybody's crazy. I'm losing all my control and rights. And the other half of the province is going, no, we have to do this because because we see what's happening here. So you can call it COVID fatigue, but there's also an underlying current of our society that is rebelling against this. And, and that's uh, troublesome to me. There's some political, it's the pandemic is, the pandemic, excuse me, seems to be being politicized where certain people, maybe they just can't comprehend the magnitude of what we're going through. I, I can't understand yeah. it now. I'm not one to call names. But I've seen no. in popular culture some people calling those types um, rat lickers, like the people right. during the bubonic plague that didn't believe the bubonic plague was killing so many people, so they would lick a rat, like rat lickers. Now, I'm yeah. not one yeah. to call names, and I don't think we can have a healthy dialogue with name calling. But no. you know, So I guess that one group, some people are calling rat lickers. And then the yeah. other group, I hear people who are called rat lickers calling the other people sheeple. Now, right. I know that rights come with responsibilities. So I'm just listening to public health. I'm just listening to public health. And I think the point that we're talking about now is how hard it is to get collective action. Because I've talked right. to some people who think if the whole world came together and we walked and marched kind of in unison, we could get rid of this pandemic 
rather quickly. But right. I think we're seeing just how difficult it is to get collective action around this virus, and right. especially with political leaders at times appearing to be rat lickers themselves. You know, and that, that's the thing. I think, you know, I think people don't realize how fortunate our generation has been to get to where we are with no major anything, really. And sure, there's been a couple of wars, not like the world wars. I mean, that's been more of the more of other countries. We haven't really been involved, right? But we haven't had, we, we didn't have polio. Like our generation kind of, we have reaped all the benefits from the vaccines that everybody's screaming about. And I, I'm a science guy. I mean, I why, why in the hell, I guess we can say hell on this podcast, right? Why in the Speak hell? The heart. Right, why, why in the hell would we be questioning our scientists right now when they're not sure? You know, I've seen, I've seen some of this argument going, well, that scientist last month has changed his mind. Of course, because every day we learn something new. You, you know what I mean? Every day. And so that, that, that troubles me, which brings us back around to where we are about the, the venues. I mean, my industry and the hospitality industry, we are the 20% that are being, that are in trouble right now, right? And, and now when we head back into these, this possible second wave as the numbers rise up, all these venues have already suffered six months. We've seen a lot of closures. We've seen a lot of, you know, now I'm not saying, I mean, a lot of those venues were on the edge anyways, but the COVID kind of tipped it over. But now, see, and I've been booked back to some of the some of the the pubs that have been around forever. Some of the shows that have been forever, they were, you know, they're they're like me. They had a bank account. They know how to run their business, right? But if we start to lose those in this second wave, it's going to be a hard road to get back in 2021, right? And as a musician, has the the, the federal Canadian government has done the CERB? Has there right. been anything else that is helping people in the arts, in the hospitality industry, these industries that are being hit the hardest? Well, I think I think so. Not me. I know that the government also gave a lot of the venues they had like a wage subsidy for their employees, right? So they can remain open. But I think the big thing is is people once they got the restaurants back opened up, people really, really tried their best to utilize them with takeout curbside yep. kind of stuff. It's like spend some money. And, and that's one of the positive sides of all this is when people stopped going out, they had money all of a sudden, right? So they did have money built up and they were able to help support the restaurants and venues as opposed to the, you know, like the McDonald's or the corporate, like, to, you know, support your local, your local restaurants because McDonald's is always going to be there. Right. But I mean, these small business restaurants, they're, they're going through some hard times. And if they're going through hard times, when I'm off tour, that's my second bit of livelihood is playing all those pubs and those restaurants. I mean, that's my livelihood. So the government has helped with that, as, as the general public has also. You know, they've also chipped in. And I've also found even beyond the restaurants, I've had people just in, in, in my world just tip me like through PayPal. You know, I might play a song online. All of a sudden, I got tip money sitting in my PayPal account, which tells me the Canadians and, and the U.S., there's a lot of people in the U.S. too, very generous. But they're supporting this in the way that they can because they have the money from not spending it by going to the restaurants that have been closed. Right? That's, an, that's an interesting insight. Right. So in some ways, the pandemic is building connections, 
and people are working together to support independent businesses, family-run businesses, but there's still that dark side of uncertainty. Right. Of if, if people don't continue to self-isolate, wear masks, support the collective action that our public health departments have, have asked for, then we could have another phase one lockdown situation right. that could then be another nail potentially into these small businesses' coffins. Well, it becomes, you know, what I know about this, so, so I won't claim to be a restaurateur, but I spend a lot of time when I see how the business goes from behind a microphone. I watch them, right? The, the, the restaurant business, as much as we have so much choice as citizens to go wherever we want and write a bad review on a, on a food we didn't like or we can go to all these restaurants, the profit margin for the amount of work that the staff puts into their small business is razor thin. It's, it's a labor of love. I mean, the only ones that are making money in this business is, is people like McDonald's who are selling you a $12 Big Mac meal. <laughs> that costs them 80 cents to put together. You go and have a nice steak dinner at a nice restaurant for 25 bucks. It probably cost them 15 to put it together. Then they got to turn the lights. You know what I mean? Like all these yeah. things. So, so we have all this choice, but it really is. So, so saying, having said all this, these restaurants go through another six month lockdown. Will that break their spirit? We don't know because it ain't the money. They're not cooking food for you guys, for, for us people, for the money. They make a living, but they're not getting rich doing it. Yeah, right? I hear you. I hear you. Right? And that's troublesome to me. You know, if we, if we go back into this and we don't come out of this until March again, it's not going to be they're just going to say, you know what, forget it. I don't want to do all this work and try to struggle to get back. You know, I hope that's not the case, but I, I won't be surprised if that does happen, you know. Food security is something that more and more people are talking about as apparently supply chains are slowing down or breaking down. I'm noticing more people talking about gardens and gardening. Right. I know one of the things I did for food security was that I, I bought a sheep and I butchered it and I bought right. it off. Um, I bought it off a Mennonite farmer and we had a physical distance conversation and right. uh, he asked me what I thought about the pandemic and I just indicated, well, I went to Catholic school. So I, I read about this kind of stuff. You know, we were told about it in the Bible, pestilence right. and these kinds of things. So I just think it's our turn and hopefully we'll come through it stronger. And right. I, I just wonder what kind of creative solutions are out there to support the food chain, uh, food security. I haven't really seen anything yet but I wonder if there's going to be some ingenuity coming out of the hospitality industry. And I guess the, the, t the move to takeout probably is an example of that. Right. I guess. But here's the other problem. You know, like, like we are so heavy, re heavily regulated in the food industry in this country, at least in Canada, that even if a restaurant wanted to have a garden behind them so that they could provide fresh tomatoes to make their spaghetti sauce for their pasta, they're not going to be allowed to. So I'm hoping that the ingenuity, if we get to that point, that, that we start realizing some of the, I get it, like the government's trying to protect us from food things, right? But we're in a situation, you know, if we can't get to, if we can't get avocados from Mexico because they can't get through the U.S., we can't get them up here. I, I, maybe avocados are, are a bad example. It's not really a staple food, but you know what I mean? We have the ability to grow it here. We can do it. You know, for this year, you know, for instance, for this year, Dave, so when, when this pandemic first came down, Joni, my partner, Joni, and I kind of went in 
I, I went into panic mode. She's always the rock solid, you know. So, so we went out, bought a whole bunch of bags of rice and staple stuff for the basement, right? We didn't hoard anything. We just got enough. I also bought garden seeds. Mm-hmm. And I gave him the Ricky New. Actually, you know, we can throw a name out here. Your friend, your friend and my friend, Ricky Prominent, New. prominent yep. drummer. A prominent drummer. My favorite drummer plays on my record. So, so <laughs> he, I can't grow a garden here. I don't know what I'm doing. But I did find some seeds up in a town called Listowel, Letterkenny, for, for your uh, American viewers who know the show. And so I bought as much as I could. I spent like probably 20 or 30 bucks on little packs of seeds. I would, I have done that. I haven't bought seeds. I don't think I've ever bought gardening seeds, to be honest. I'm used to walking to a restaurant and there's a meal right there. So I'm thinking if everyone's kind of like me or, or, I mean, there's always people that are the guys like yourself who raise your own food anyways and do what you do. But there's also a huge part of the population like myself that's never done that before. And this year was the first year because we're looking at a new reality for the time being. Right. Yeah. That's a good example. I used to go grocery shopping every day. I would say I would just always buy enough food for the day or the next day and go on. And I would go, okay, let's go to the grocery store. And then I realized you can't do that anymore. You got to start thinking ahead. I'm one of those loser musicians. I walk into a venue and send my contractors a meal there. I just thought food always just (laughs) showed up magically. Yeah. (laughs) Now now I got to learn how to do it. (laughs) That's, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm just hoping that we come out of the wormhole or the rabbit hole on the other side of this a lot stronger. And it's, right. it's clear that the pandemic is showing us the weaknesses in our community. It's showing sure. us like in the long-term <laughs> care, how the profit incentive really is compromising our, the seniors and the, our elders quality of life. We're seeing how large class sizes are compromising the public education system and people's health. Have you seen any other shortcomings in our society that have been illustrated by this pandemic? Well, th- think, think about this. So our healthcare in Canada is probably one of the best in the world. I'm not sure how we rank against like places like Sweden. I know that they have really good systems too, but we have a really good system right now. I can't get to see a doctor. I mean, this first six months, I have to see a doctor every three months just to, because even when I go on tour, Sometimes I have to have a medical before I go. If it's a bigger tour, you can't get on the bus without a medical because insurance purposes, because if you get sick on the road and you got to cancel shows, that's all money, right? That's oh, a big wow. thing, right? So think about all that, right? Yeah. So, and so now, I mean, for the first six months, it was, uh, you couldn't even see a doctor. Doctors would not see you, right? And we, be- we began to see what the immediate, I had a specialist that I had to see for one little thing. And uh, it wound up being three months late and it was only a phone call. And it's something where, so, so we're seeing these, these breakdowns as a negativity of this, even though we have a great system, these are some of the problems that we, that we're starting to see a, a failure in the system based on this, right? That's an interesting point. And it's something that I have firsthand experience with. There's several seniors in my life that need new hips. But the, right. the hips aren't happening. I know my mother, I used to take her to the doctor for her appointments, but now the doctor calls and it's very right. hard. It must be very hard for a doctor to do their work without actually being able to see, touch, smell, you know, all the sensory right. things that come with being a doctor. So yeah, that's an interesting insight too. And I, I wonder if the doctors during the pandemic will start seeing people in person again. 
I think so. We're getting closer to that. But let's take it one step further. <laughs> so here's one extra thing. And this has affected me personally. For, for the last four months, you know, I, I, I get a supply of medicine every three months. Like they give me enough medicine for my diabetes, my blood pressure, all the stuff that goes with a rock and roll, <laughs> rock and roll casualty lifestyle. They give me three month prescriptions of that. They cut it all back to four months uh, or they cut it all back to one month at a time because of supply chain. The same thing that you're talking about, the supply chains. We're back now. We're lucky in this country. We're back to the three-month supply, but that gets scary. If it gets any worse, what if you can't get it? What if you can't get the medicine you need? Yeah. Right? Things that we take for granted in our world that back in 1920 or when the Spanish flu was around, the things that we take for granted, they didn't even have those options then. And then, you know what I mean? And we take it for granted until yeah. all of a sudden yeah. we're here. We realize it. I guess if they survived without Zoom and, you know, food from all around the world, I think our odds are pretty good of surviving this one, especially, right. especially if we can work together. Now, Dan, time is just flying by. Would right. you be open to, to talking with us again as we move through the pandemic? Of course, man. Like I said, with, with where, where I am now, Dave, I, my time's meaningless. I sit in this room working on my YouTube channel putting up guitar lessons to everybody for free. I've been putting out all these free guitar lessons over the summer because of my time here with the idea that maybe a small percentage of those people would come around and join my Patreon page, which is a pledge-based system, right? So, okay. so to answer your question, I got time, my friend. I'm not going anywhere, and it doesn't look like I'm going anywhere until at least spring of 2021 at this point. That is so kind of you, Dan. Thank you so much. And Dan, when we leave the show tonight, I'm going to play, we're going to do some music of me playing Old Groundhog with a <laughs> fiddle player. And I'm going to dedicate on. that to you and all the inspiration you've given me over the years. And I just want to say thank you so much for being on the Pandemic Show. And I look forward yeah. to touching base with you again in the weeks and months to come. Reach out anytime, Dave. Like you said, I got time and I'm lonely sitting in this studio, my friend. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the Pandemic Show. One of the things I've been doing during the pandemic is working on my life's goals. And one of my life's goals was to sing Old Groundhog with a fiddle player. Way down yonder in the forks of the branch, Way down yonder in the forks of the branch, the old sow whistles and the baby pigs dance. Old Groundhog. Shoulder up your gun and whistle up your dog. Shoulder up your gun and whistle up your dog. Up to the woods to catch a groundhog. Old Groundhog. He's in here, boys, the holes were slick. He's in here, boys, the holes were slick. I think I see his beady little eyes. Oh, Groundhog. Run here, Sally, with a ten-foot pole. Run here, Sally, with a ten-foot pole. To twist this whistle pig out of his hole. Oh, Groundhog. Here comes Sal with a snicker and a grin. Here comes Sal with a snicker and a grin. Groundhog gravy all over his chin. Oh, Groundhog. 
Eat up the meat and save the heart. Eat up the meat and save the heart. The best darn shoestrings has ever been tied. Oh, Groundhog. Thanks for listening to this week's story from the pandemic. We're all in this together, and we're glad you're here together with us. Physically distance with us at pandemishow.ca. Be a part of our community by rating, subscribing, and sharing the Pandemi Show. Thanks for taking a minute to email an episode, share a link, or promote us on social media. Stories from the Pandemi, for the people of the Pandemi.